Okay, we're beginning here with the Mishnah on Kuf Mem Vav Amad Aleph. This Mishnah is extremely important because it relates to the ability to open up items on Shabbat. This is the central Mishnah in dealing with this issue. And that is, Shuver Adam et Achavit. person can break open a barrel. hemena To eat from it, pressed figs. Ubilvaj loit kavein lasot kli. As long as you don't intend to make it into a kli. As it actually says on Ovayafa, Bepetachna, that you don't try to cut it open in a nice way so it'll create a nice opening. You're not allowed to put a hole into the seal around the top of the barrel. That's Rabbi Huda's opinion. Chumim say that it's fine. The Gemara will discuss where exactly their machloket is. One can't put a hole in the side of the barrel. If it already has a hole in it, you may not put wax in there. Because that's smoothing out something on Shabbat, which is a problem of Memachik, one of the Avot Malachot. So a case like this that came to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai in Arev, I think he might be Chayav Chatat for such behavior, for such an action, putting the wax into the hole. Amar Rabbi Oshaya, Loshna Eladrusot, Aval Mifuradot, Lo. The only case here in our mission is a case where the figs, the dry figs inside are pressed together. But if they are separated, that's not the case. Omifuradot, Lo. Why not? Why when they're separated can you not open up the barrel? So made Vey Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Omer, Mefiyah Damet Chavit Shel Yayin. Person can bring a barrel of wine. Umaytiz Rosha B'Saif. And can slice off the top with the Sword. And you can put it in front of the guests on Shabbat. That is no problem. So we see here, or the qualification that's brought, says that the only way that you're allowed to cut open the barrel with a big knife or with a sword is if you need that utensil for something else. That something else is breaking apart the grugarot. It's breaking up the pressed figs that were stomped on and put together. But if the figs separate without the need for that knife or that sword, then you cannot use that sword to cut open the top. The assumption being that then it's muksa. It's not a clee that you need. Since it's not a clee that you need, you can't do it. Kumar says, how is that true? We just have here, Shimon Gamliel, a bright of similar nature. It says if you do with wine. With wine, clearly you don't need the knife or the sword to do anything else besides cut open the barrel. And yet it's permissible. So when it says that's not a problem, Hayi Rabbanan. That bright that we just brought from Shimon Gamliel, that's according to the Rabbanan. Matnitan, our Mishnah is Rabbi Nechemiah. It's Rabbi Nechemiah who we've bumped into before. Rabbi Nechemia says that you're only allowed to carry a kli on Shabbat for its primary purpose. Whatever that kli's primary purpose is, that's the only thing you can carry it for and utilize it for on Shabbat. Otherwise, it's muksa. So therefore, in the case where you have a barrel full of pressed figs, then you can carry the knife or the sword to cut the figs. Because that's what it's made for, to hatch it, whatever it is, that tool that is used to do that. And on your way there, you can chop the top of the barrel off to get there. On the other hand, if you have separated figs already, then you don't have permission to take the hatchet, the knife, the sword, whatever it is to cut open the figs, then you can't just carry it to cut a barrel. That's not its primary utility. You can't carry it for that. On the other hand, the bright that we just brought from Shimon Gamliel is according to the Rabbanan. The Rabbanan who say that you can carry a glee for Tzarek Gufo, Tzarek Mekomo. So here, even if it's a glee Shemlacht Oli sword, as long as you need it, you're allowed to carry it on Shabbat. So you pick it up on Shabbat and you cut off the back of the wine barrel without any problem. That could be the only reason that you're picking it up and that's fine. So my duchake de Rebbe Oshayo, lukmei matnitin ke Rebbe Nechemia. Why would you ever set up a Mishnah like Rebbe Nechemia? Rebbe Nechemia is a unique 
unusual position, a dat yachid, why would you make him the author of our Mishnah? Ubedrusot, and talking about the case that it's press figs. Lukma bifuradot. Let our Mishnah be a case where the figs are separated. Virabonan, and let the Rabbanan be the author of our Mishnah. Amarava matnitin kashite. He had an issue in the Mishnah. There was a difficulty in the Mishnah. Mayuria datani grugorot. Why does it pick dried figs? Litne peirot. Pick any fruit. Or wine. Why did it pick specifically dried figs? Elish Mamina Abidrusot that tells you or indicates to you that there was something unique about figs or the property of the figs that the Mishnah was after. And that is the fact that they were pressed together, stuck together. In that case, the author of the Mishnah is going to be Rabbi Nehemia because he's the only one who is Makpid. That that be the case. Tanya Chado. We have one brighter that says, These are wraps of palm branches that are put around the dried figs or around dates. The equivalent of a palm basket, the ones that you make out of the leaves of the lulav, but here it's wrapped around it, completely wrapped around it and then tied. So there you're allowed to either matir, you can untie them, umafkia, you can unravel them, vichoteich, or you can cut through them. Any of those are permissible to get to the food inside, that's fine. Tanyidach, we have another bite that says matir, you're allowed to untie them, avalo mafkia, avalo chotech, but you're not allowed to unravel or cut through them. So lokasho, that's not a problem, that's ha-rabonon ha-rabinichemia. Again, the differentiation here will be according to the rabbanan, you can bring a knife or whatever it is, sharp object that you're bringing, and you can do any one of these items here, and that's fine. According to rabinichemia, you can't do that because you can't bring the glee except for its primary purpose. Over here, that's not one of the primary purposes is to unravel it or to bichotech it. And that's why you would not be able to do that on Shabbat. The Tanya, and here is the opinion we've seen of Reb Nechemia before, Reb Nechemia Omer, Afilu Tarvad, Afilu Talit, Afilu Sakin. Even a spoon, even a baguette, Afilu Sakin, and even a knife. The only reason that they can be carried is for their primary purpose, for their primary utility. The question was asked of Rasheshet. What is the din with piercing a barrel with a lance on Shabbat? So here you take a lance and you push a hole into the barrel. Is that okay? Is he trying to make an opening in the barrel, which would be problematic on Shabbat? And therefore it's Asur. He's trying to be generous in nature. So he has the guest there and he comes with this big lance and he pierces into the barrel to show him that lots of wine is going to be poured at this meal. Is that what he's doing? Or is he trying to get a petach? Clear that he's trying to make an opening here, a nice opening. That's why he's using a round pointed object to get in there. And that would be Asur. Made to be... What about the brighter that we just quoted? You can bring a barrel of wine, slice off the top with a sword. He says that's exactly the difference. Over there, he's cutting it off because he wants to make it look like he's generous. If you really want to be generous and show that way, open it up, open it up wide. The fact that he's only puncturing a hole into it indicates that he's trying to make a tap, he's trying to make a hole that is a nice petach, and that is not allowed on Shabbat. If you want to open it up, you want to be generous, you cut the whole thing open, you break open the top, the entire top, and that would be the difference in these two cases. All right, now, just to go back, since this is the source for opening of packages and items on Shabbat, I wanted to do this first part because this is one of the problems. One of the problems on Shabbat is making a petach yafeh. You're not allowed to make a nice opening on Shabbat. You're not allowed to make a clean, nice opening. That's number one. So anything that is a clean, nice opening will be problematic on Shabbat. The second thing is, we are allowed to break things open in order to serve them on Shabbat. Why? Why is it that you're allowed to do this? So Rashi says, Shover Adam Chavit. What's the reason you're allowed to break this barrel? You're allowed to open it up. Rashi says, because... 
De'en mekalkel shumi sur b'shabbat. There's no Easter of Mekalkel on Shabbat. You're destructive in nature. It's a destructive force. And Shabbat, Mekalkel is patur. Problem with that is that that's not really true. There's two types of Mekalkel, and both of them are problematic. There's Mekalkel almanayat livnot, or constructive base Mekalkel. If you destroy something in order to make something or do something better, then it's asur midoraito. And then there's just plain Mekalkel, which is asur midorabanan. So what is Rashi saying that in Mikalkel Bashavat? So the Rashi claims that Rashi is Bashitato, and we've seen this before. The Rashi believes Ain Binyan Bistira Bikalim. Since there's no Binyan and Stira Bikalim, there's not going to be any Mikalkel in Kalim because Mikalkel is a derivative of that area of Binyan, of destroying and building. And since there's Ain Binyan Bistira Bikalim, there's no Mikalkel Bikalim, because all you're doing is destroying something in the Kalim. Therefore, according to Rashi, it's mutar the gamre for that reason that there is ain binyan no stira bekelim. Tosafot says it can't be. He brings a stira from the Gemara in Eruvin. You can't say that. You can't say that breaking this barrel is fine and Mikalko is fine. Tosafot is most likely the shitato who thinks that there is binyan and stira in kelim, and therefore just being mekalkel is not sufficient. Tosafot says our Mishnah is talking about a case. Something that's mentioned in the Gemara Veitza, which is what we call a mustiki. A mustiki is a rebuilt barrel. It's a barrel that was broken already, and it was in shards or pieces already, and then you glued it back together. You pieced it back together, and now it's in one piece. So when you slice off the top, that's not really destructive or opening a petach, because the barrel was already in pieces. It was in shards beforehand. So breaking it is not such a significant act of mekalkel now. Because that's the case, that's why it's mutar on Shabbat. So Tosavot seriously narrows the heter or what is mentioned in this Mishnah. Rashi seems to say, open anything. You just As long as you cut it, mekalkel, no problem. Tosavot limits it to these types of items where it was already broken and pieced back together. That's a very, very limiting qualification of our Mishnah. And that's why Tosavot says the Mishnah is mutar. It's because the Mishum the Gadavka Chavit Shari Demachmat Griuto Lo Because it's so bad, it's awful piece of work now. He doesn't have any consideration to keep it afterwards. And nobody would think he's going to make a clear of this. There's no way that you're doing a nice job here. There's no way that you're making a clear here because it was already broken. You're breaking it again. The assumption is that this is going into the garbage. And that's why Tosavot says it's mutar over here. There are two other opinions or general categories of ways to deal with this Mishnah. The other one is the Ritva. The Ritva goes with the line of reasoning that Rashi does, which is that you have a case of Mikalkel here. So Mikalkel is only Asur Midurabanan. The Ritva suggests is that the Mikalkel Durabanan is waived over here because of food. For Ochel. To get to Ochel, the Chachamim allowed that on Shabbat. They permitted Mikalkel. Even though there's a general Isur of Mikalkel Midurabanan, they waived it in the face of getting access to Ochel. And that's how the Ritva explains it, using Rashi's reasoning, but just explaining why it's not an Isur Dirabanan. The Chedusha Aran brings from the Yerushalmi that packaging and barrels and all these items are equivalent to shells of nuts. So just like by a nut, nobody would say you can't break open the shell to get to the nut inside. So the same would be true here. The barrel is like the shell around the nut, the wine is the nut on the inside. So to gain access to it, you can break open the shell. That's the equivalent of breaking a shell is opening up the barrel. Obviously, you could differentiate between something that grows naturally, 
which is something that is put in after the fact. But the Yushalmi at least makes that comparison and therefore the Ran runs with it and says that that's the reasoning behind our Mishnah. Now, according to everybody besides Tosafot, you could open up packaging on Shabbat. The problem is that the Shukhanach passes like Tosafot. Shukhanach Lalacha brings down that Tosafot is the right opinion here. That's the way that we're going to paskin. And that means the only way you can open it up, if it was already bad quality, if it was already broken. That doesn't leave us many things because most of our packages come sealed and in good shape when they get to us. Many of the poskim say, including Moshe in the Igrit Moshe, who has a massive, massive tshuva on this topic, as well as Rav Shomo Zalman in the Shmir Chavat Yochodah, say that the type of packaging that we have today is the equivalent of a mustiki. It's not a glee that you plan on keeping. It's not something that you intend to keep afterwards. When you break open the packaging, then you rip it and it's a disposable packaging. Packaging that you intend to throw out afterwards. The one difference between them is, the Moshe says that it has to be something when you rip it open, you don't keep the food in it. You dispose of the food immediately. Or even if it is a temporary container that you will throw out after utilizing it just for this item. But Moshe compares that to the shells around food. And therefore you could open them up in any which way that you would like. On the other hand, Roshlomo Zalm saying that you leave the food in it afterwards, as long as it's not something that you would keep. I mean, that's utility is solely for this item. And then as soon as you finish the item that's inside, you're going to dispose of it. So it's really one-time use anyway. It just happens to be that you use it for just a little bit longer. So he claims that's also a case of mustaki. And since it has a din like a mustaki, it would only be allowed to be opened up if you didn't open it up with a petach yafeh. You didn't open it up in a nice manner. Now, in these cases, you do have to rip it open in a way that does not make a petach yafeh. You can't make a nice opening. So the, one of the ways you can't open it is to pull apart the seal at the top. Most of the bags are heat sealed at the top. If you pull it apart nicely at the top, that heat sealing... You just made it a petach yafet. That's exactly what you can't do. You can't make that nice petach. You have to rip it open. Be very careful. No letters. No other things that you can run into a problem when you rip on Shabbat. But you have to rip it in a way that does not create the petach yafet. Now, the way to get around some of these problems when it's hard to open them up or you can't open them up, like, for instance, reusable containers, then Rav Shlomo Zalman has a dispensation to destroy it in some way. Just make it unusable. If you cut one end and then the other end, then it becomes totally not functional. And there's no petachiyofe anymore, it's just gone. The whole thing is useless. So there are ways to get around. Rashlam Zaman talks about that in certain instances with uh, bottle caps and things like that. Right, so bottles and cans is a different world, almost a little bit of a different issue. It does come up, obviously, in this topic. It's more found in the Gemara and Beitza and in other Gemaras that discuss this issue of opening packages and opening up items. The real issue with opening up is that, you, number one, you can't create a petachiyofe. That's one problem. And the thing is, you can't create a cleat. You can't create a utensil on Shabbat. So generally, with opening up items, that's the main issue that you face. For instance, cans. Cans are very problematic. Soda cans. Soda cans that you open up, when you pull the tab to open up the top, then you're making, number one, a petach That is a nice opening. And the likelihood is that it wasn't an opening before. That's not an opening. The way the can is made, it's made entirely sealed, and the top is put on fully, and they just perforate around that area that's the tab, and then you puncture it to open up a new petach. That's a totally new petach. As opposed to what we've seen here and in the Gemara Beitza is that if you're opening a petach that already existed, then that's not making a petach. You're just undoing what's there. We'll get to that in our Gemara in a little bit. So by cans, cans present the biggest problem. There are those that still say that cans are okay because it's still a temporary item. It's an item that's one use. Right, you throw it out. Although there's some people who put them in the fridge. Like if you didn't finish it, you put it into the fridge. 
Finish it, you throw it out. Right, so that's the, that's the claim of those that say that it is, but you still have the problem of petach yofeh. With these cans, that even though they are temporary disposable, you're not metalkil when you open it up. You open up in a very nice opening, a nice way to drink, to pour from it, and that could be problematic with cans. Cans present the biggest problem on Shabbat. Bottles present mostly the problem is the cap, not the bottle itself. Most bottles are formed in such a manner that the bottle, the mouth of the bottle existed before the petach was there. The problem now is that you put the, the cap, cover on it. And the cover, depending on how the cover is made, will make a difference in when opening it is problematic. If the cap exists pre-being put on the bottle, and it's a functional cap beforehand, you can put it onto any bottle, as long as you had you know, the equipment to put it on, it will fit anywhere, then that would be fine to open on Shabbat, because you're not creating anything new. You had a cap before, you have a cap now, you haven't done anything new. The bigger problem, and this happens to a lot more, which is that the machines, the extruding machines, or the plastic machines that place the caps on, basically mold the cap onto the top of the bottle. By molding the cap onto the top of the bottle, it means that it creates the cap on top of the bottle, and then when you open it, you make it functional for the first time. Because all it was beforehand was plastic that was stamped on top of the bottle, and then you're opening it, you're now creating a cap that can be reused, open and closed. That's where your biggest problem comes up. So there'll be a difference between metal and plastic, the type of ring that's around it. A lot of these items are particular to the situation of the bottle or the item, which is the real question. Are you creating a new cap? Or the cap existed before? And that's basically the question that you're going to ask with most times opening bottles. Opening up other items... So that's the, the other thing, which is with opening like tuna cans and other items like that. question there, can you make, can you open them up? Roshoma Zalman is very makeil with regards to if you do something destructive to the can and then open it up, that that would be permissible on Shabbat. So if you puncture the bottom of the tuna can and then you take off the top, then the can's no longer used. You've been mechalkil, you've destroyed the can, you haven't opened up a petach yafeh, as opposed to if you just peel away the top, then you've made something, you've actually made a utensil, something that's uh, useful in holding it, and you made a nice petach yafeh. So you want to avoid that problem, and therefore you want to do something that makes it that the petach yafeh is no longer meaningful, and it's all mechalkil. So that's the suggestion that's made. It's to open it in a destructive manner. That'll come up first, like with tuna cans, it comes up, it comes up with tomato juice that comes in cans. Also, to push a hole in it, that'll be a problem, because you're making a petach yafeh. It's creating a new petach that didn't exist before. So any of these items, you have to be careful. So the, the two questions that you, or you really have to ask is, is there something that pre-existed here? If something that pre-existed, then you can open it. It's not a problem. Second thing is, are you making a petach yafeh, or is it mechalkel? Those are the two main questions you have to ask, and generally... Through those two questions, you can come up with an answer as to whether something is mutar or asur on Shabbat. Here and there, there are dispensations by different poskim. Get around some of these issues, but that's the general principle that I would follow in terms of opening items. Okay, so paper goods might be a little more problematic. That's a good question. There are some poskim who say that paper goods are equivalent. For instance, tablecloths. Paper goods are equivalent to food items since they're part of the meal. Therefore, you could open them on Shabbat. There are other poskim that say, no, that this dispensation is simply for food items, and therefore opening up a package of plates on Shabbat would be problematic, because you're not supposed to open items. That even if you say the din is mikalkel, it's only mikalkel for food. And this is not a food item. And since it's not a food item, you cannot open it up on Shabbat. You have to ask your local rov which way to go with that. That can go in either direction. It really depends on the status that you give to the plates, tablecloths. Are they classified as food items or are they classified as non-food items? And that would make the difference whether you can open them or not on Shabbat. Yom Tov is a lot easier. Yom Tov, there's a lot more room because many of the malachot are mutar. And that malachot go away for ochel nefesh. So therefore, if you have something that is a malachot, but it's to get to an ochel nefesh, over there you have a lot more room to work with. I'm not saying that all things are mutar, 
Most things are going to be the same on Yom Tov and Shabbat. There is a little more room on Yom Tov to be make you because of Ochel Nefesh and the allowance for Malacha in that case. That gives you a good broad overview of the situation. Alright, Einok Vimigufa. You know how to puncture a hole in the seal around the top of the barrel. Aravuna Machloket Limalo. This is only true up top. If you do it on the side, that is totally problematic. So if you do it on top, Rashi says, it's Nobody makes a hole in the top to use it as the opening. So that is not normal. And that's where you have a machlok between Rabbi Yudah and the Chachamim, where there's such a hole is permissible. But if you do it on the side, everybody would do it there. That's the normal place to do it. And then the Chachamim would agree that that is a sur. And that's what it's meant in the Mishnah. Can't open it up from the side. Well, you can't put this pattern, right? It just simply makes a hole in it. And a hole in the ceiling around the seal of the barrel. He puts a hole in it and allow you to pour out. So it depends on the direction that he's putting the hole in. He's putting the hole in from the top or the top of the cover. That's not the normal place to put the hole according to Rav Huna. And therefore, it would be... Machloket, that's where you have the Machloket of Yudin Chachamim. Whereas if you put it on the side, which is a normal place to put a hole, to pour, it's an easy way to pour out of the barrel, there it would be problematic according to everyone. That's Rav Huna's position. Rav Hista says, Machloket Minatzad. Machloket is actually when you put the hole on the side. That everybody agrees that it's mutar on the top. On the top, that's not a hole. That's not a spout. That's not an opening. Nobody does that. It's on the side. That's a question. When you do it at the top, by the seal, is that considered to be new or not? Is that considered to be problematic? Is that a petach yofeh? What about the mission that says, lo yikavena mitzida? What about the fact that you're not allowed to push it into the side? That's in the barrel itself. But we're talking about here, how long is the cover and the seal around the cover? That's where you're puncturing the hole. When the mission says you're not allowed to put a, a hole in the side, that's the side of the barrel. That's like putting it where you put in a tap on the side of the barrel. You put a hole on the side of the barrel, that is... Oh, so according to everybody, because that really is an opening. That's the typical type of opening that you put into a barrel. Same thing that you have on the side of your urn. If you have a tap on the side of the urn, you put it lower down on the barrel so that all the wine that's above it would drain out through that hole, and that's how it would be your opening, then you plug the hole. You cannot put in a new hole on Shabbat. But if you want to add on to an existing hole, that's fine. And some say... And you can't even add on to a hole. And everybody agrees you can reopen a hole that pre-existed. So that's a basic principle. Again, what we said before. If you're opening something that was already open, that's not creating a petach on Shabbat. The petach existed. You're just reopening the existing petach. Now assuming, again, that the petach is not sealed in such a way that it negates the petach. If you seal it in such a way that it negates the petach, then it's like opening a new petach again. Right, so the Gemara will talk about different materials, but you're right. If there's a material that seals it up properly, then it's its equivalent of opening a new hole when you open it again. If it's patched up or sealed in a way that's temporary, that you can take it in and out, then that's clearly allowed on Shabbat because the petach pre-exists, and the pre-existing petach is allowed. Everybody agrees you can reopen a hole. You cannot open a new hole. The only question here is, am I looking here whether you can add on to an existing hole or not? Tanakama, Maishnami, Nekev, Chadash, Delok, Kamitakein, Pitcha, Osifi, Nami Kamitakein, Pitcha. I don't understand, the Gemara says, okay, let me understand the Tanakama's position. Tanakama's position is you can't open a new hole. Why? Because that's Mitakin Kli. That's opening up a new Petach. That's creating something new. The problem, as Rashi says, of Gemar Malacha. You're doing something that finishes off this Kli, makes it usable now. That's problematic. So now, when you expand the opening that's there, you're doing the same thing. Yes, the opening existed, but you're making it more functional. You're making it better. By doing that, you're also attacking glee. You're also doing a Gemara Malacha. If that's the case, you should also be Chayafro Sufi Mosif. How does the Tanakhama differentiate between the two? Versus, we have the second opinion, the Eshomrim, that say equate the two. So that's fine. He says that opening a new hole and adding onto a hole are the same. They're both a sword. 
According to the Tanakam who differentiates, how does he differentiate? So Amarabba Dvartara, Kopetach Sheinu Asuilachnis Olutzi Eno Petach. Any opening that is not made for, say, a bi-directional petach, it's not called a petach. A petach means you go in and you go out. It's made for both purposes. For Abanan who the Gozer Mishumul Shiltarnagolim. And so the reason that you're not going to make holes is because of this unique circumstance was a chicken coop. In the chicken coop, when you puncture a hole in it, we saw this earlier in the Masechta with regards to the Bona, that drilling a hole into the chicken coop is considered to be Bona Koshul because you've now opened up an opening that allows for airflow. It allows for good air to come in and the bad air to exit the chicken coop. You just created ventilation. So that small hole is a hole that has bidirectional usage. You can have a small hole that creates bidirectional uses and it would be problematic on Shabbat. So Rabbanu would goes there on holes in general when you puncture holes, even though they're unidirectional holes, there goes there up to the case of Lul Shultana Gol where you don't even realize that you're making a bidirectional hole. Most people hail if you just make a small hole, then it's unidirectional. But we do have a case where it's bidirectional by the chicken coop. So the Chalami were goes there by unidirectional holes to say don't do that because you may not realize that you're actually making a bidirectional hole. Now here it turns out that the hole by the barrel is a unidirectional hole. You don't put wine into the barrel that way. You simply remove wine through that hole. So it actually is a unidirectional hole, which is it simply allows the wine to come out. So mido right, it's not a problem. What we're talking about here is an Isser de Rabbanan. That Isser de Rabbanan is premised on this Lul Shultano Golim. That is it. So now... The Xera of Alusha is the Avid Leulay Avira Lefukei Chavla. That hole in the chicken coop is made to bring in fresh air and to allow the bad air to leave. Correct, correct, correct. So it depends. If you pour from both holes, then you might actually have a, a bidirectional hole now. Because then sometimes you're using it to let air in, and the other times you're letting the liquid out. There, by the way, if you make one hole in those types of cans, that might be a bidirectional hole. They don't discuss this, but the physics are that if you open up a can with one hole, it has to both allow air into that hole and allow the liquid to exit through that hole. It just goes slower. Because it's doing both. Exactly. But it becomes a bidirectional hole. It might be actually an Easter de Oraita. To keep the, here the Gemara doesn't discuss that issue at all. But it's true that in these instances, when you open a single hole, it actually becomes a bidirectional hole. Because it has to allow air in and to let the vacuum out. But their barrels weren't vacuum sealed. So you don't have that issue of letting the air in anymore because they weren't airtight. Unless you're airtight, you don't have that problem. It's vimba losif musif. He can add on. Why? So here, when it comes to adding on, by nobody's going to come to add on because of the problem of creepy crawly things getting into your chicken coop. You're going to limit the size of the hole to simply be for ventilation, but not big enough to let in whatever vermin or other animals that will get in there and cause problems for the chickens. So you're going to limit the size of it. So if you make the gzeiro or this takanat chachamim about putting holes into the little taragolim, it simply revolves around making the actual hole. So that's what he says here. If you want to add on to a hole, you can add on because the sufet. You would never, we don't have a chashash that you're going to expand the hole in the Lushal Targanagolim. So we're not, the Xero can now not be extrapolated or extended to putting in holes. The Rabbanan don't expand them. Because there's nothing to parallel to, to say that expanding the hole is problematic. So over here, by our barrel, to drill a new hole, is a problem with the Rabbanan of putting a hole in because of Alto Lushal Targanagolim. To add on to the hole is not problematic because if we only Easter here was an Easter the Rabbanan to start with. So to add on to the hole is not incorporated in that Easter the Rabbanan because adding on to the Lul Targanagolim won't happen. What happened is because then it becomes problematic in terms of the You open up too big a hole, you let in all these things that you don't want in there. Then what's the reasoning behind the other opinion in that bright? That says you're not allowed to add on. So because So there's sometimes that you don't get it right the first time. 
You drill a too small a hole. You didn't drill a perfectly shaped hole. So then you go to fix it afterwards. You go to widen it out. And you're widening it out, not to the size where it's become problematic, but simply to get to the size that you want it. So there are times where you're Osife, and it would be a sore. And the Gezerah Derbanan, Tukhanat Chachamim, expands to Osife as well. So that's the machloka between the Tanakama and the Yeshomrim, is as to whether there is a Taknat Chachamim with regards to adding on to an existing Petach. Does that happen by the Lushul Tanakamim? It does not happen. In the end, the Allah is like the Yeshomrim, and even adding on to an existing hole or existing Petach is problematic. So Sephoth mentions over here that what about the fact that we worry about you opening up a new hole? Why we say that if we allow you to expand the hole, you also open up a secondary hole? Because by the Lul Shultan Golim, you won't be willing to expand the hole, but what you will do is drill a second hole. If we allow you to expand holes or open up Tachim, maybe you'll end up drilling a second hole. So what what I mentioned before, that people don't think about this. They don't think when you put in a hole, that you're actually making a bi-directional hole. Just something so small, it's just something so minute, that they think, okay, uh, what's the big deal? I'm putting in a hole here, it's not really a petach. And that's the problem here. The problem is that people won't think about that, and then they'll come to put in a hole that's really a petach, that's boned, that's a problem of gemar malach, that's a real petach. So that's what we're choshish for. We're not worried about people now starting drilling a million holes and doing things bona on Shabbat. That's not our fear. Fear is something where people would have a misconception or forget and do something on Shabbat. And that's only true when you drill that first hole, they put in a small hole. That's what we're worried about. And so all the zerot extend from that particular issue. Next is, V'shavin shnogvim nekev yashan The brightest said that you're allowed to reopen an old hole. So Amrav Yudam HaShemol Hoshanu Ela B'makom Shamer. That's true where it's a point where you're being shomer, asur. it's a place where you need to be machzikit, that you have to put the glee and hold it tight, then you can't do this. This is what we were just talking about, Fred, before. Depends what type of seal you put back in there. If you put it back in there like a stopper, a stopper that says, we're going to reopen it, close it, and open it. You're not trying to recreate the barrel or the wall of the barrel. That's only that to stop the flow coming out or stop the air from going in. In that case... Right, putting a cork in a bottle, the same thing, that would be totally fine on Shabbat, and it's fine to put in, fine to open. The problem is when you reseal it to really make the barrel, again, I mean, that's what they did. When you finish with the barrel, you reseal the hole, and then you can reuse the barrel again. So if there, if you cork it in such a way that it's now back to being the original barrel, that will be problematic on Shabbat. Hechi dami lishmar, hechi dami So my wants to know, tell me, how do I know, where's that threshold between sealing and Remaking the barrel, meaning finishing off the hole. So I'm Rav Chista, the Malam Yain Zeul Shamer. Matam Yain Zeul Chazek. So Chista's opinion is that when you're above the level of the wine, that's when you're simply putting in a stopper. You don't have to rebuild the wall. You don't have to strengthen the wall because nothing's going to come out unless you pour towards that hole. That's called a cork. That's called the stopper. That's fine to reopen on Shabbat. The other hand, if you're below the wine level. Then when you cork it up, you're, you're seriously corking it up. You don't want it to come out anymore. You're afraid of it dripping, leaking. You want it to be sealed properly. If you seal it properly, then you want to reopen on Shabbat. That's problematic, because that's going to be sealed in a fine way. Rabba Amar, the box changed the gizri to Rabba. Rabba Amar, mata minayayin, nami zeu l'shamer. Even below the wine level, that's also called corking or stopping. That's not called remaking the barrel. Where's the case when you're really remaking the barrel? That's a case called The hole is below the sediment level of the barrel. There, you don't need a hole. You don't want a hole over there because then the sediment's going to come out. That's not what you want to happen over here. So there, if you reseal that hole, you're intending to reseal that hole permanently. You want to leave it sealed. You're not planning on reopening that hole. 
The hole that you plan on reopening is the one that has the wine level in it. And that's the way Rabbah learns. Amr Abaye, and again, since we changed the gears above to Rabbah, it would be here. Amr Abaye, the Rabbah. Tanya de Misailoch. We have a brighter that supports your position. Bait Satum. You have a house that's sealed in. Yeshlo Arba Amot. It gets four Amot. Paratzet Pitzimav. Inodar Amot. Does not get four Amot. So this is a din in Baba Bacho. The Gemara in Baba Bacho discusses about a chatzera, a joint courtyard between many houses that face into the courtyard. They want to subdivide the area of the courtyard. It's joint property. How do we subdivide the courtyard? The Gemara Babacha says that anybody who has a doorway that opens into the courtyard, they automatically get four amot. For the width of their doorway, that is their own piece or parcel. That's their four amot. Whatever exists beyond that, that's called shared property. And that's how you split it up. You split it up based on that, the shared property. But everybody's entitled. For instance, if you have a house that has two doorways into the courtyard, another has only one doorway into the courtyard, the one with two doorways into the courtyard will be entitled to two sections of four amot that belong to him before the division takes place. Because each doorway is entitled to that amount in the courtyard. Now what happens if you have a bite? So doom, the house is sealed up. They bricked up the door. So now if you bricked up the door, are you still entitled to the four amot outside of that door? The practice says yes, bite satum yeshlar amot. You're sealed house, you get a four amot. If the doorway still exists, if you bricked up the door, you still get the four amot. When do you not get the foremost? Paratze pitzimav. If you break away the door frame, if you destroy the door frame, then break it up, then it's no longer a door, and it does not count towards the arba amot. Then you don't get arba amot. Bai is suggesting that that is parallel to what Rabba said over here, that if you seal it up in such a way that you can possibly reopen it, that you would reopen it, then that's still called a petach, and it's fine to open on Shabbat. You reseal it in a way that you're not going to open it up anymore. That's not called a petach anymore. That's called barrel. That's called a wall now. That would be a sword to open up on Shabbat. Similar to what the Gemara here says in Bavabatra. Get rid of the door frame. That's the equivalent here of making a seal that you don't plan on reopening anymore. Bayit Satum, the same thing here with the Bayit Satum, Enumitamekosvivav. Rashi claims that the right here is speaking about a case where the house is completely sealed and there's a mate inside the house. So the house now becomes a kever, the equivalent of a burial area. And there's a Xerat Chachamim that any kever gets four amot around it. Paratze Pitzimav, Metamed Kosvivav. So if you have a Bayit Satum, if it's sealed in, Enumitamekosvivav, it doesn't have a din of a kever because the doorway still exists. It always still exists. It doesn't have a din of a kever. Whenever you don't get the four amot around it, they're not problematic. On the other hand, if you seal in the door, you break down the door frame, now it becomes a kever. Since it becomes a kever, it has that takanach chachamim that the kever four amot around it is problematic. The reason they did that was to prevent people from coming within four amot of the kever and being mahil on the mate. So since they wanted to avoid that, there's no demarcation of where the kever ends. So they made the whole four amot around it problematic so people stay away from getting close to it. That's what Rashi claims happens over here. Tosafot does not like that explanation for a number of reasons. One of them is that there's really no problem of oil over here. It's a house. It's a structure. It's not hard to know where the end of the walls are. Tosafot in the end defends Rashi's position and says actually with the house would make a difference because the walls would become tamay. And you'd be tamay if you were no gay by the walls. So maybe you would want this four mode around it to prevent people from touching the walls that are around the house. Those are gives an alternative, which is that in general, when it comes to a mate inside of a house, if you take the mate out of one of the doorways, then that doorway becomes tamay. The other openings of the house do not have that din of tumah because the mate will not go out that way. So if you have a primary way where the mate's going to go out, that saves all other openings in the house from becoming tamay. So over here, if you have this doorway and you have other small openings throughout the house, are those openings saved by this doorway or not? That's the way that he he explains it, he brings the name of Rebbeinu Shimshon that explains it this way, and therefore, if the door still exists, even though it's bricked up, that'll save the other openings. 
if the door frame is gone, then you no longer have an opening, and then all the openings are classified as being the possible way out from the house, and therefore they will all become Tamei. It's a din in Tumat O'alim, but he says that's what the Gemara is discussing here. Again, none of this is necessarily particularly meaningful to our suga, except for the fact that there's a differentiation between when something is called a petach and not called a petach. If the structure of the frame, door frame, and the structure of the petach is still there, it's still a petach, even if it's bricked in. If you take out the door frame, then it's no longer considered to be a doorway, anymore a petach. And the same will be true here by the barrel. If it's something that still has the structure of the hole left in it, and something that you would open and close, that's considered to be a petach, and it's not problematic to open on Shabbat. Something that you've now basically taken away the petach, you've made it in such a way that it's now part of the barrel, and it can be used again, the barrel, without any opening, that is considered to be a seal, and then when you open it, that new opening is problematic. Gufta. Next thing is a piping. This is the equivalent of putting in a tap into the barrel. If you have a hollow straw that you're trying to insert into the hole, what's the din of putting it in on Shabbat? Rav Asarav says you cannot put it in on Shabbat. Shmuel Shari. Shmuel says you can put it on Shabbat. Michatech lechatechila. If you're cutting the straw or the hollow tube that you're going to put in there, then of course... That you cannot do on Shabbat. That's metaking. That's metaking kli. That's making something perfectly sized. That is clearly a problem on Shabbat. If the tube was once in there and you took it out and then you put it back in, no problem on Shabbat. It's a pre-existing tube. It's a pre-existing petach. You're totally fine. It's a case where he already cut it, but he never inserted it. So it was cut to size, but was never inserted. The one who says Asur Rav says that we're worried that if we allow him to put it in here for the first time, he might think that you can cut to start with. You can make a piping to put in there in the first place. Mandashari lo gazrina. We're not goes in that case. These are different. One was cut before. The other one you're thinking about cutting to start with. Kitanai. This is similar to a makloket tanaim that we have. Ein chutchim shvoferet biyomtov. One cannot cut a piping on yomtov. Ein tarech lomar b'shabbat. And certainly not on Shabbat. Nuf law. If it fell out, you can put it back in on Shabbat, and certainly on Yom Tov. So those are the two extremes that we explained before. That to put in a pipe to start with, or cut a pipe to start with, is clearly problematic. To return a pipe is not problematic at all. That's what we said before in Rav and Shmuel. Here's the Machloket. Rabbi Yoshia Mekil. So Rabbi Yoshia is Mekil. Tukmar says, Rabbi Yoshia, ahai. What is Rabbi Yoshia Mekil about? If you don't have the case where he's cutting the piping, he's making a clee. There's no question there if you're making a clay that it's a sore. Nobody would say that that is mutar, so it can't be that Rabbi Yushia is saying that's where it's mutar. Allah Seifa. And the Seifa is the case where he's returning the pipe. There, Tanakama Nami Mishrei Koshari. Tanakama also says it's mutar. What do you mean he's mekil? Everybody says it's mutar. Ella Dechaticha Velomitakna. The difference between them must be this case of pre-cut, but not inserted. Igebenayu, Marsavar Gazrina, Marsavar Logazrina. So we have a Machloket Anaim that parallels the Machlok between Rav and Shmuel. There, the piping is no longer a problem because the piping was pre-cut and you can insert it. The, the bigger problem is opening it, putting the hole in the first place. Because there you're making a petachiafe, especially in Israel with the Capri Sun. The way they make them, they don't have a hole. There's no pre-existing hole. You have to actually punch the hole in. Juice boxes, they already have a hole, but the question is how the silver foil on the inside is made. How did it's made there? It might again be that it's totally sealed, and then you're puncturing a hole for the first time. And again, that could be a petachiafe and create a problem. So there is petach problem, not the straw problem. Alright, now, Darash of Shisha Bray, the Rev Adi Mishmei, the Rev Yochan Alochit, Rev Yoshia. The Locha is like the Mako, meaning like Rev Yoshia, like Shmuel, that as long as it's pre-cut, the straw, so you can use the straw on Shabbat, 
That's not a problem. Again, the problem is if you don't have the pre-existing petach, to make the petach is a problem, but if you have a pre-existing petach, you can insert the straw into it as long as it was pre-made, the straw. So if it's already open, you're not allowed to put the wax, we said in the Mishnah, into the hole, because that's mimareach, that's smoothing out the wax. Mishcha, what about a case of putting in oil into that area? Umar says, Rav Asar, Ushmuel Shari. Rav says it's a sur, Shmuel says it's mutar. Manda Asar, the one who says it's a sur, it's a gzera because you might use wax. And obviously the oil itself is not problematic here because it doesn't have the same properties as wax. Rashi says it's shemen av. It's very thick oil. So it's because it's thicker oil, therefore it has some properties of a solid in some ways, but it's not exactly a solid. So it itself wouldn't have been a sore. The problem is that if we allow you to use very thick oil, you'll come to use wax. Mandashari, Shmuel says it's mutar, lo gazrinan. Amalei Rav Shmuel, Barbar Khan, Rav Yosef, Peferu Shemartlan, Mishmed Rav, Mishkoshari. You told us before that in the name of Rav, that it was mutar. And that here we have Rav saying it's a sur. And he's saying to Rav Yosef, you told us before that Rav said it's mutar. And this happens many times to Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef fell ill in his lifetime, in the middle of his life. Fell very ill. He forgot everything that he had learned. And then he relearned it again. So you'll see his Talmud Abayi many times saying to him, uh, you told us before, da 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 because Rav Yosef had forgotten everything that he had learned because of the illness. And this might be one of these instances where someone's reminding him, hey, you told us the name of Rab that it was Mutar. Again, could be that situation here. The Gemara doesn't address it, whether it was before or after, but maybe it was something that they had heard from before he was sick. Amar Tvut Rishba, Tvut is his name, Rishba is a fowler, someone who is a bird catcher, a bird hunter. So Tvut Rishba, Amar Shmuel, Hai Tarfa de Asasur. I heard from Shmuel that putting in a myrtle leaf to be the spout is problematic on Shabbat. My daima, Rav Yemar, Midifti Amar, Gzera Mishumar Zev, because you're making a spout, it's Gzera of what we call gutters. The equivalent of making a gutter on Shabbat. You're mixing the leaf in a way that it becomes a gutter. So that's what the problem is. It's metakin kli. Tosafot brings in the name of Rab Porat that it's a problem. Maybe you'll make a gutter on your roof. If we allow you to make this gutter for the barrel, you'll make a gutter on your roof. You think making gutters is okay. Tosafot says he thinks that Rashi's right. He thinks that's a better explanation because who's going to come to make a gutter on their roof just because they're allowed to make a spout out of their barrel? The problem is not making the spout itself, but that we're afraid you're going to pick the myrtle leaf off the branch in order to make it. Now, it doesn't have to be a branch that's mechuber lekarka, even if it's ready to loosh. The problem is that when you pick it off, you're making metakin glee because you're making something now that is functional out of this leaf. Before, when it was attached to the branch, it wasn't. And now when you pick it or cut it, you're cutting it down to a size that you want. So my binayu, what's enough communion between the reason of whether it's mishum marzev or mishem yiktom? Yikbinayu, the cut imumanchi, case where it's already cut. You have the leaves already separated from the twig. They're separated from the branch. In that case, according to Ravashi, it would not be a problem. There's no Shemitom anymore. It's already picked. They're already shaped to size. For Rav Yemar, it would still be a problem because you're making it into a marzev. You're making it into a spout. Vesadio. Linen sheets. Ravasar. Ushmuel. Shari. Rav says it's a sur. Shmuel says it's mutar. Now these besadjo are like uh, linen sheets or like pillows, almost things that they used to sit on. It was something that was used to place under the individual to sit on. So they are a harder linen and said they're not normally worn. Now this person wants to bring it to sit on. So what is he going to do? He's going to wear the sheet in order to bring it. Is that mutar? Rav says it's a sur, Shmuel says it's mutar. Now, birakin, if it's a very soft linen, kuliyama lo pligid everybody says it's mutar, because people would wear that as a clothing. The linen is soft enough to be usable as clothing, and therefore it would be mutar to carry it in such a way. Bikashin, if it's hard or rough, then we would not allow you to bring it. Kuleyama lopligidasur. It's kuleyasur because nobody would wear such clothing because it's abrasive. Something that you wouldn't put on, and everybody agrees it's a sur. Kipligay 
They argue about the middle case. It's not too soft, not too hard, that middle case. So people normally wouldn't wear it for clothing, but they would. If they are under pressure, they would wear it in that case. Mandasar, the one who says it's a sore mechseke masoy. Looks like you're carrying it. People don't usually wear this type of clothing, so it looks like you're carrying it. Mandashari, lo mechseke masoy. The one who says that it's mutar. Alright, sometimes people wear clothing of this type of quality or material, and therefore we're not going to say that he's carrying it, it's like he's wearing it. The fact that Rav is Osir over here, we didn't hear explicitly, but we inferred it from another statement. Because the Rav equal the Hawatra, Rav went to a certain city, Dulavale Ravko. They didn't have enough space for the Talmudim. Nofik Yativ Bekarmelit. He went out and sat in the Karmelit in order to give more space. They were in a house. The house didn't have sufficient space for the Talmudim. So he went out into the Karmelit to give more space. Aitule Besajo. They brought him a Besajo to the Karmelit. Yativ. And he did not sit on it. He refused to sit on it. Man the Savar, the one who saw this or saw this event, thought we should the Beisaji Asur. That they bringing out the Beisaji is Asur because it's considered to be a Masui and not Lodeh. So therefore it was Asur. Rav, well, like Tashita To, according to what we said before. Obviously we're talking about a case where it's Mitzay, it's a middle quality type of uh, material because otherwise then there's no inference here. Velohi, and that's really not why Rav didn't sin on it. The Rav Achruze Machu is Beisaji Shari. Rav himself had said publicly that it's mutar. Because of the kavod of his, some of the Talmidim, he didn't sit on it. And those are Talmidim, Man Ninu Rav Kahana Rav Asi. Kahana Rav Asi were Talmidim of Rav, but they were Talmidei Chameirim. They were Talmidim that also had peer status with him. And Rav felt uncomfortable sitting on a Beisaj, on this pillow, or on this linen pile, if his other Talmidim didn't have it. Thought it wasn't respectful. So the reason he didn't sit on it was a matter of kavod, not a matter of issue for Shabbat. They wanted to infer it from there, but it wasn't a proper inference, because the reason behind Rav's refusing to sit on it had nothing to do with Yitzhak Shabbat, it had to do with kavod chachamim. I would just quickly do like the Mishnah. Just no name tafshil to chabor. If you have a cooked item, you're allowed to put it into a pit in order to be shomer to keep the heat. Bishvil shomer in order that it stays hot. As an insulator, you can put it into the pit. At the Maimi of Fimbraim, you can put potable water into a place that does not have potable water in order to keep it cool. Bishvil shit zanu so it stays cold. Fet at zonim bechama, you can take cold water and put it out in the sun. Bishvil shichamu in order that it heats up. Mish neshul kelav baderech. Someone whose clothing became wet, soaked. On the way, Bamai, with water. Rashi early in the Masechta says he was in the rain. Tazur over here says he thinks that's wrong. He thinks that he passed through a river. He walked through a river, he fell into a puddle. Whatever it was, his clothing is now soaked. So Malaych, he can continue walking with them, with this soaked clothing on. Ve'enu chushesh, you don't have to worry about the fact that it looks like you wandered the clothing. Looks like a problem of schita, we don't worry about that. As soon as he gets to the outer area of the city, where he can now carry them, take them off, he puts them out, Bahama, he can set them out in the sun to dry, of alone the as long as it's not facing the people. Sometimes people can't see that he's doing it because it looks like he's laundering on Shabbat. So you have to hide it from the people. The Gemara will get into it with a big sugi of Maritain. Based on this, that's tomorrow's daf. Now, Pshita. What's the question? Of course you could put a cooked dish into a pit. Maybe he'll come to smooth out the bottom of the pit so the pot will sit nicely. Kamashman, we don't worry about that. Pshita. Again, that's simple. Why can't you put potable water inside of water that is not potable? Why is it safe? You're allowed to put cold water out into the sun. Why can't you put cold water into the sun? Maybe you'll come to put it or bury it into remits on Shabbat, which would be a problem of cooking the water on Shabbat, problem of bishul water on Shabbat, mashmalan, that that is not the case, and we don't worry about you putting things into the sun to be heated up. Okay, we'll stop over here.